Today, it's uh, good to share this time of fellowship and worship uh, with the people of God, and we are glad uh, that you have chosen to be with us today as we spend this time together. Uh, we welcome everyone. We welcome our guests, especially this morning. We're glad that you're here, and hope that God's going to uh, bless you in a very special way. Let me invite everybody to take your phones out and check in on uh, Facebook to uh, Community Baptist Church today. Let everybody know that you're here today. And also take your attendance sheets on each row and, to, and fill those out if you wouldn't mind and pass them down the row uh, so others can do the same. Uh, just a few announcements. First of all, thank you uh, for our breakfast today. Was that Jika's class today? Yeah, Jika's class uh, provided breakfast this morning and wonderful as always. So we're grateful for that. Thank you so much for that. Uh, also, next week, um, we, we have been approached with the possibility of sharing some space with a Boys and Girls Club. Uh, it'll be probably about a year away before this gets started. And uh, we're and we're still, I mean, we're right in the, the beginning of the talking stage of that. And, and it probably presents a lot of questions for, for the members of our congregation. So next Sunday, immediately after the worship service, we're going to be having a, a potluck lunch and uh, and then have a presentation about the Boys and Girls Club and uh, and how that will affect us and the questions about the Boys and Girls Club itself. So we invite you to come and bring your, your dish filled with a, a favorite uh, food and uh, bring your questions and we will uh, have that time next Sunday. Also, uh, put on your calendar uh, paint week. We're going to be painting the lower part of, of the room here on August the 6th through the 11th and if you would like to participate in that, we uh, we would appreciate that and invite you to uh, uh, see Sybil Keach and she'll put you down as a volunteer. Let us stand now. Let us share the love of Christ with one another. Let us encourage one another in the name of our Lord.
is the beginning of a new week and the whole world is before us. As we look ahead, we realize that we are weak and fearful and ill-equipped to handle all that we must face, but we look to you for strength. There have been some hard times during this past week. Some things have happened that remind us of how small and how frail we are. There have been times when we have ventured forth alone and stumbled. There have been times when we disobeyed you and sinned against you. But when we lean upon the arms of the one who loves us so much, we will stand firm. We pray that you will help your people suffering all around the world and even at our doorsteps to lean upon you that they might might stand firm. Help us to depend upon you, O God. Lord, enlighten us, guide us, uphold us by your Holy Spirit so that we can bring you glory, bring peace to others in the ministry of reconciliation here and now in these coming days. We look to you as the one who is all-sufficient and who gives good gifts to your children. You are the strength by which we stand. You are the light by which we see. You are the path on which we run and the shield to protect us. You are the sun that warms us. And you, O God, is perfect fullness. 
You have proven your loving kindness through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. And so we come before you in his name, asking for your grace. Be with us, O God, in our weakness, that in you we may be strong. Amen.
obviously this is not Connie, and I'm not near as uh, fair to look upon as my sister, but uh, she left me some notes that she wanted to uh, read to you this morning. May we go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, thank you for all the blessings of life, each and every one. And let us not take any of them for granted. Lord, place your hand on the sick, the hungry, the homeless, and the abused. And through us, Lord, let them feel your touch today. Open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to the world around us, for there is so much need. Give us a heart, Lord, to give. Bless these tithes and offerings we're about to receive and use them for your glory. Forgive us of our sins. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
This is one of those days where we should have just thrown the bulletin out. <laughs> I'm glad we can be flexible. Uh, Jesse's not here today, so I'll read the this, this scripture for us this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. To keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. This is a long way out here. I want to thank Ann Pritchett for being here with us today. We are missing Jika and Felisa, and we're praying for Felisa's recovery. She's had a little surgery this week. Thank you to Nibby, who's filling in. Tim's right. We should just throw out the bulletin. And Heather, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, Ann has a beautiful song that she's selected called Homeward Bound. It ties in with Tim's thought for today, I think, because so often we are led astray, not by evil things in the world necessarily, just it could be work, it could be doing something that's not bad, but we are not being led back to Christ. He's our home. Her song is about wanting to return home, homeward bound. Oh, I'm 
Thank you so much, Ann. What a, what a beautiful song, beautiful song. I, I have to say, I, I went to a um, Paul Simon concert a couple of weeks ago. When I saw the title of the song, my mind went to a different song. <laughs> but I'm not disappointed in the least. Thank you. It's such a beautiful song and such a beautiful message. So uh, we really appreciate your your gifts and your um, your sharing those gifts with us today. I read something interesting recently about one of the world's most revered re- religious leaders. He is the Tibetan Buddhist leader known as the Dalai Lama. It, it seems that even though the Dalai Lama may be uh, what the Buddhists call an enlightened being. He has his weaknesses. You see, according to a report in The Week magazine, it is said that he sneaks chocolate chip cookies when he's supposed to be fasting. (laughs) And he uses an air gun to scare away irritating birds. And here's a good one. While the Dalai Lama meditates, he likes to have the radio on in the background playing news from the BBC. And he also admits that mosquitoes have caused him to question the fundamental Buddhist prohibition against taking life. When I'm trying to sleep, he said, their loud buzzing and bites really annoy me. I thought that was interesting. Even though he espouses reverence for all forms of life, the Dalai Lama is tempted to kill mosquitoes. I guess we all have our weaknesses, don't we? And it really doesn't matter who we are. Even the Dalai Lama. One of the most highly praised movies of 2017 was called The Darkest Hour about Winston Churchill. As one of the most prominent statesmen of the 20th century, Winston Churchill achieved what others could only dream of. He courageously led the United Kingdom to stand up and to fight against the tyranny of Adolf Hitler. But as renowned and as as successful as Winston Churchill was, he still had his struggles. As a young man, Churchill was confronted with two huge challenges in his life. First of all, he suffered from a speech impediment, a lisp that was caused by a dental condition. But this did not stop him from becoming one of the most eloquent public speakers of his time. We're told that he often wore an artificial tooth designed to ease the impediment, and he avoided certain words in his speeches that he had a particularly hard time pronouncing. The second obstacle that Churchill had to overcome was a mental health challenge. He called it his black dog. You see, Winston Churchill suffered from severe bouts of of, um, clinical depression from the time he was a youth until his death. 
The condition became especially severe during times of military setbacks, but Churchill would not allow this condition to to stop him from carrying out his duties as prime minister. He believed that the needs of his own country came before his personal needs. And so in spite of his speech impediment and in spite of his severe bouts of depression, he became one of the most inspiring individuals in all of history. We all have our weaknesses, don't we? Some of them are physical. Some are mental. Some are moral. Some of our weaknesses have to do with our work. Some with our family life. Some with our relationship with Christ. Some of us, for example, have short tempers while others of us lack diplomacy. Some of us are too proud while others lack backbone. My friends, there are no perfect tens in this world. And maybe that's just as well. Because you see, even the, the Apostle Paul had his weaknesses, and it seems that one of them in particular caused him a great deal of heartache. We don't know exactly what it was. He called it his thorn in the flesh. Uh, Some people have suggested that Paul may have suffered from epilepsy, and if that was the case, he was in good company because two of the most powerful men who ever lived, Julius Caesar and Napoleon, were epileptics as well as many other great individuals. But in Paul's day, there was no medication to control seizures like this. And so if that was his thorn in the flesh, then he was stuck with it. Paul prayed that God would deliver him from his affliction. Three times he beseeched God about about this matter. And God answered him and said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect. In your weakness. I think that's interesting. I mean, think about it. How many of us, if we had a particular weakness or a need from God, and we don't get what, I, what we want, how many of us would just keep pestering God for the rest of our lives? But Paul prayed about this thorn in the flesh three times. And then he let it go. He trusted it to God. And when he heard God say to him, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. That was enough for him. God was saying, Trust me, Paul. I'll take care of you. And I can take that weakness of yours and use it as a demonstration of my power. And God did just that. You see, Paul's influence over the Christian community has been second only to Jesus Christ himself. And it's no wonder. Look at at how strong Paul's faith was in God. He prayed three times about this thorn in his flesh. And then he let it go. Can we learn anything from Paul's experience? It seems that Paul not only learned how to accept his thorn, his weakness, but he even began to boast about it in order to demonstrate the power of God. And so Paul, by God's grace, turned his weakness into a strength. And so can we. So can we.
here are some principles that we can apply to our weaknesses. First of all, a weakness can become a strength if we do not give in to it. As someone has said, some people succeed because they are destined to, and others succeed because they are determined to. That is true. Many of you are familiar with the name Wilma Rudolph. Wilma Rudolph uh, was a track legend. She did not get a head start in life. You see, as a child, she had a bout with polio that left her left leg crooked. Her foot was twisted, her left foot was twisted inward so that she had to wear leg braces. And it took seven years of painful therapy before she was even able to walk without the help of her braces. She was 11 years old when, through sheer determination, she forced herself to walk without her braces for the first time. Her older sister was a good runner. And at the age of 12, Wilma started to think about running too. She started running, just running. She would run everywhere she went. And in less than two years, she outrun, outran every other girl in her high school down in Clarksville, Tennessee. A college track coach saw her run one, one time and approached her and talked her into letting him train her. And by the age of 14, she was outrunning the fastest sprinters in her age group in all of the United States. In 1956, Wilma made the U.S. Olympic team winning a bronze medal, and she was actually disappointed by that because she wanted the gold. So she was motivated um, to work even harder for the 1960 Olympics in, in Rome. And there, Wilma Rudolph won three gold medals, the most a woman had ever won to that time. Now, Wilma Rudolph... <coughs> simply would not give up or give in to her weakness. And she would not give up, and she would become a champion. And to think that this was someone who spent seven years of her life with braces on her legs, just in order to to be able to walk, much less run. And so she's a good reminder to us that a, a weakness can become a strength if we don't give in to it. A writer named Larry Lee tells about his 10-year-old daughter, Sarah, who had the, the same kind of determination as Wilma Rudolph. You see, Sarah was born with a muscle missing in her foot, and as a consequence, she was forced to wear a brace at all times on her foot. And yet Sarah came home one day to tell her dad that she had competed in field day at school that, that afternoon or that morning. And, and that's where they have lots of races and other competitive events. And dad listened to her say field day and he kind of went, oh, he was preparing himself for the worst. He immediately began to think about some words of encouragement that he could offer to his daughter about not letting this get her down. But before he could say anything, she said, Daddy, I won two of the races. And Larry thought he couldn't believe it. And and then Sarah said, I had an advantage. And Larry thought, ah, I knew it. Somebody must have given her a head start. But once again, before I could say anything, he said, 
She told me, Danny, I didn't get a head start. My advantage was that I had to try harder. And she did. You know what? Larry's daughter is on her way to becoming a champion, a champion in life. Because a weakness can become a strength if we don't give in to it. And what we're talking about here is a power of character, a power of determination. God has given us the ability, with God's help, to overcome difficult circumstances. Irving Stone has spent a lifetime studying greatness. He has written numerous novelized biographies of such people as Michelangelo and Vincent van Gogh and Sigmund Freud and Charles Darwin, many others. And Stone was once asked if in his research and in, in his writing, if he had found a thread that ran through the lives of all of these exceptional people. And he said, I write about people who sometimes in their life have a vision of something that should be accomplished. And then they just go to work accomplishing it. He says they are beaten over the head. They are knocked down. They are vilified. And for years they get nowhere. But every time they're knocked down, they get up. You cannot destroy these people. And at the end of their lives, they have accomplished some modest part of what they set out to do. Paul had that same kind of attitude. I mean, besides his thorn in the flesh, who can, who can forget the other obstacles that Paul faced in his ministry? He writes uh, uh, in another place in, in, this, in this book. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus, minus one. 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from river, from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city and in the country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And yet, Paul never quit. Paul's experience convinces me, most of all, that our weaknesses may become strength if they remind us of our dependence upon God. I think that's the only way Paul kept going. Because he was totally dependent upon God. It would have been very easy for Paul to boast about his influence on the early Christian community, but he knew that the glory did not belong to him. His weaknesses should have condemned him to failure. All of the things that happened to him along with whatever this thorn in the flesh was should have sent him running. But it didn't. It was only by the grace of God that he can make his life count. And he did so in a magnificent way. 
I want to tell you a story that I think has become a metaphor for me for the kind of life that Paul lived. Ricky Hoyt was born with cerebral palsy. He's been disabled from the day of his birth. And yet, in 1989, he and his father participated in a national Ironman competition. Are you familiar with Ironman Ironman competitions? A typical Ironman triathlon consists of, get this now, a 2.4-mile swim in the ocean, a 112-mile bicycle ride, and a marathon, 26.2-mile run, all raced in that order and without a break. All the same day. It is grueling. Most people, most healthy athletes can't do this. And Ricky knew that that he would get a lot of uh, skeptical looks on the race course. And he also knew that the winners would cross the line, uh, the finish line, hours before he would. And his goal was just to finish, even if it took all day, even if he crossed the, the finish line in the dark. Robert Record and Randy Singer depict Ricky's ordeal when they describe his grim look of determination on his face as well as the astonished looks on the faces of the spectators. They said that a buzz grew through the crowd as the spectators wondered whether Ricky would finish or not. And they described the loneliness of running by flashlight on the deserted roads of the Big Island of Hawaii. As Ricky started the final leg of the race, the the marathon of the race, well after the leaders had already finished. And they described the roar of approval as the crowd greeted Ricky at the finish line, followed by an ear-to-ear grin on his face of this young man who refused to let his disability define his life. I mean, after all, the crowd had just witnessed a young man who couldn't even walk finish his first Ironman triathlon. Here's how Record and Singer describe this amazing feat. Ricky Hoyt was born with cerebral palsy. He finished the race just one second ahead of his 49-year-old father, the man who swam through 2.4 miles of ocean, pulling Ricky behind him in a rubber raft. The man who pedaled an oversized 58-pound bicycle for 112 miles while Ricky sat in a basket on, on the front and then pushed Ricky in a special cart for 26.2 miles running a marathon. All the self-help books and motivational sayings in the world could not have carried Ricky through that race. It was the love and the strength of a father that took Ricky where he could, he could not go alone. I think that's a beautiful metaphor for the life of faith. I really do. You know, Frank Sinatra used to sing, I did it my way. But you know what? I don't think anybody really ever succeeds in life on their own. Self-made man, self-made woman, nah, it's a myth. It's a myth. 
There are actually very few worthwhile goals in life that you can achieve on your own. And truth is that true success only comes to the man or the woman who realizes that we are only truly successful when we recognize that a loving father is towing our raft, that a loving father is pedaling our bike, that a loving father is pushing our cart. And if you have not come to that realization in your life, then maybe that's why you're not so satisfied with your life. You see, you're trying to live it without God. That's the lesson that Paul learned. Can you hear him testifying about what God has done in his life? Look at, he, look at me, he would say. I once persecuted the church. I threw Christians into jail, and many of them were probably executed. Look at me, a man who has to battle this humiliating affliction, this thorn in my flesh, and yet Christ has chosen to use even me to plant churches all over the world. Now, Paul was a tremendous intellect. And he was obviously a man of unquestionable persuasive powers. And perhaps if it had not been for this thorn in his flesh, he would have leaned upon his own abilities rather than the power of God working through him. And if that had been the case, then you and I probably would never have heard of Paul of Tarsus. But that's the way life works. Paul's weakness became his strength. His scar became his star. I know it's kind of trite, but... His halo, his hurt became his halo. And the same thing can happen to us. To you. To each and every one of us. If we don't give in to our weaknesses... And if we allow our weaknesses to cause us to rely on God. Amen. Let's sing together our closing hymn, Jesus, Keep Me Near the Cross. And this is our desire of our lives, that we would be near the cross, because it is there where we find our strength to live and to overcome our weaknesses and to even allow our weaknesses to, um, to be a demonstration of God's power working through us in spite of our weaknesses. Let us sing together.
Lord sends you into the world to a harsh and sometimes cruel place, many do not live by the values that you live by. Many do not know you or the Lord. The world in which you enter is sometimes obstinate, digging in their heels of resistance to God's way. You, however, are different. By word and by deed you go and you share what the Lord has done. And whether they listen or not, they will know that a Christian has been among them. Amen.